0: It's time for episode 279 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 30th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that is both the best and worst of times. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined across this frigid country by my co-host,
1: Mr. Micah Sargent. Uh, stay warm, Micah. Oh, Lord. See, that's what makes it the worst of times is I'm currently shivering in my boots. <laughs> well, this is, of course, the tech podcast where we talk with
0: two fantastic guests, to my left this week, a uh, first timer on the podcast, the publisher of Tidbits and the new Tidbits Content Network. It is Adam Engst. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan.
1: Uh, and looking forward to it. And to my left, I'm going to go ahead and read this brilliant Twitter bio: Rabble Rouser and friend of the Rebel Alliance, technology enthusiast, occasional podcaster. It's Kelly Gamont. Hello, Kelly.
2: Hi, I'm glad to be here with you guys today.
1: Uh, And let's kick things
0: off today. I'm going to start it off with the thing that has been making the rounds. This week's FaceTime bug in iOS and the Mac got a lot of attention, but it got me thinking about group FaceTime, which is at the root of this problem. Uh, This is a feature that Apple introduced last year. And my question is, is it a feature that you actually find yourself using? (laughs) Do you still stick with other group conferencing apps? Did you disable FaceTime because of this bug or was it too important for what you were doing. Adam, what are your feelings on group FaceTime? (laughs) Group FaceTime? Seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I, I will admit I've I've used it twice now um
3: both in test situations with you know like in tidbits uh, tidbit staff kind of situations and um, it made everyone motion sick um <laughs> and that was when it was actually working um so no i don't use facetime or a group facetime I, I use facetime itself occasionally um but uh it just it's not affecting me in the slightest and i didn't disable it Partly because Apple said they turned it off, and partly because, you know, I don't make a habit of telling my deepest,
0: darkest secrets while the phone is ringing. That's the only time I do it. Yeah, same. (laughs) same. (laughs) Quick.
1: Uh, yeah, so I have not, I don't, oh, I've used group FaceTime actually in the same, uh, same way uh, for a couple of tests for work. Uh, but have not used group FaceTime outside of that. As far as FaceTime goes, I used to never be a FaceTime. I don't, I don't like making phone calls even. Uh, so don't make me put my face in front of you. Um, however, my partner is a huge FaceTimer. And so because of that, uh, he is pretty much the only person in my life that has permission to, to, to call me over FaceTime uh, and we can video chat there. But um, as far as disabling it, no, since Apple, you know, did the thing on server side. Kelly, what about you?
2: Uh, I use FaceTime regularly because uh, I am tech support for my family and most of my family doesn't live near me. So FaceTime is a really efficient way to be able to just see what they're seeing instead of getting them to describe it to me over the phone. So I do use FaceTime regularly, but not group FaceTime. Uh, my reaction was a lot like Adam's, but mostly it was like, oh yeah, group FaceTime. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> that was like what I remembered of it. And it was, it was the same as everybody else. Like I tried it to see how it went and like how did it work and, and, and all of that and went, yep, that's group FaceTime. Okay. And then like I haven't used it since and Apple pulled the functionality on the server side already so uh none of that stuff can happen. I don't use the phone all that much, probably more than it sounds like everybody else does, which is don't ever call me. But um I do have I I do talk to people on the phone occasionally. Uh sometimes over FaceTime audio. Uh but the FaceTime video stuff I tend to keep for tech support and that makes it um something that is useful to me but not the group functionality of it that part hasn't
0: yeah i you know what even even less than you guys i i was really excited for this feature to come out because it'd been years in the like you know waiting for a, a multi-party mm-hmm. face part facetime um i've never used it i didn't even use it for testing and like it's not that i don't think it would be useful like i have a lot of family that that facetimes Uh, with each other and it would be kind of cool to get like a group conference together but it's just like at this point i'm still not convinced anybody else knows it exists so i'm gonna facetime and they're gonna be like what there's four people on this call what is happening Um, is this witchcraft yeah (laughs) what sorcery (laughs) is this um and uh what was interesting though was i did disable facetime before apple turned off the group servers and I didn't realize until I went to do a, um, a radio segment yesterday that usually when they call me, I answer the call on my iMac because it's hooked up to this podcasting mic and everything. And with FaceTime disabled, the call forwarding thing that forwards calls to your other devices doesn't work. You have to be logged into FaceTime on, oh. on all your devices. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, why? Yeah. In, in one of those weird sentences, you find yourself saying, why isn't my computer ringing? You know? <laughs> uh, so that was a little bit of a bummer. But yeah, I, I certainly didn't find it a huge... A huge, uh, a huge impediment to having it disabled. Anyways, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's move on to our second topic, which comes from Adam. As we've been seeing in the news, the US government recently
3: shut down. This, this, this seems like kind of a big deal to me. Um, but I was thinking, you know, in one of those science fiction-y kind of ways, what would it be like if one of the tech giants took over the country instead? Which tech company do you think would be do the best job of running the country
1: oh, is not an answer <laughs> <laughs> um so if i had to ch- if i had to choose uh a tech giant um I, i'm probably going to get accused of being some sort of uh you know some sort of there's no safe way out of this
0: Micah. Some It's some sort fine. of sheep
1: <laughs> <laughs> some sort of sheep but genuinely um the the values of the many of the leaders at Apple line up with my values Apple as a company and uh Apple's leadership as a group of people um value things that I value value diversity and value um speaking out on those those topics and um value privacy and security and and yes we're going to talk about another topic soon uh where there's been a bit of an issue. Um but at the end of the day, uh you know, I I, I don't know what to say about sort of <laughs> their their policies <laughs> in other ways, but in terms of social issues, I think that um the leaders of Apple would do An okay job um running the government. Kelly, what is your answer? (laughs) Nothing is right. Let me tell you.
2: (laughs) Uh I I my answer is flee to the hills and churn butter for a living. Um (laughs) Yes. That's where I'm at. Because like there's at least two that I'm gonna write off immediately because they're not interested in me as a productive member of society. They're just interested in the data I can generate they can sell to other companies. So that's out. Like Micah said, I would probably go with Apple for the same sort of the values that they hold and kind of the 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 walk the walk of uh you know, starting a camp for or like a, an accelerator program for um female iOS developers who all show up and, and they're offering resources to those people. Uh I will point out that Tim Cook name checked app camp for girls at an event last year for for the work that we're trying to do and um, The different things like uh, making sure people are healthy by giving away to employees who finish the challenges like a special watch band and Offering pride watch bands each year. I would say those Um, This might be a controversial stance, but i'm gonna say for non-tech that it would be starbucks Because (laughs) they're (laughs) leveraging. you might have your chance (laughs) Yeah, I might get my way with that one. Um (laughs) Uh, but but it's partly because as an organization, like being everywhere is part of what makes them really useful. And I know that uh, when we had a whole lot of wildfires in Oregon, like when when you would see headlines about basically the entire state being on fire, uh, at least three Starbucks uh, near me when I went to find out if they were if they would donate anything to take to firefighters, uh, all of them were doing that regularly anyway. Nice. And it was very nice to see that they were sort of involved in the community uh, on that level. So that would be my my pick.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, I'm going to pick Facebook because it seems like they're the most. <laughs> tru- no, what are you nuts? I'm not picking
2: Facebook. That's insane. <laughs> What's in that coffee? <laughs>
0: uh, you know, I've, I've turned over a couple of options in my head. And obviously, as we all agreed, none of these are good ideas. Uh, I did think Amazon for a little bit because, yeah, sure, they have microphones in all our houses, but come on, the government probably does anyways, and they can actually deliver products and services, unlike (laughs) the Uh, government. But I'm going to pick sort of an ancillary tech company. I don't know that you necessarily consider them like a huge tech company, but... Let's go with Nintendo. <laughs>
2: First of oh all, look, everything would just be
0: fun. Like <laughs> I have to say, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: that's true. be more potholes. Plus, if you
0: have any issues with your plumbing, like they've got that taken care of. Basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like that covers like really just a lot of bases there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, certainly, you know, from a from a socialist pers- perspective, as we've been talking about, I'm not sure that there's a good answer there. There are some that are better than others, and I would agree. Apple tends to fall into that camp. Uh, But if we're just talking about sort of the efficiency of the administration, like in getting, you know, the trains to run on time, as it were, uh, I feel like pretty much any of them might be better than the the government.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, so... I I have to admit that you know when I when I came up with this question I was like Whoa, there's so many possibilities here both good and bad but I think I come down when it in, in the government side is a little bit less on the you know like do I agree with this candidate kind of thing in terms of values and whatnot, not because it feels to me like as soon as these people get elected they show them the skeletons and they become polit- you know they become government regardless of what they thought before so so for me I think government is more about like not so much keeping the trains running, but like keeping the world running mm. and um, and to that, I really think that I would pick google i mean obviously issues with how they make money, but we're not thinking about making money because they're gonna be in charge of the countries they've got all the money um, and but Google works well in lots of different countries in terms of trying to get there they have they are interested in in uh, in outreach to uh, to other places and they We may not always like it on the value standpoint, but they're willing to compromise, which is a necessary thing for a government to be able to do, Uh, compromise their, their, their positions like in China. They also are just into a lot of stuff. So it feels to me like Apple would just be overwhelmed because, like, they don't know how. They only know how to do one thing. They know how to make iPhones and Macs and whatnot. Whereas Google's, you know, I mean, they did the self-driving cars. They've got, you know, so they got the Department of Transportation. They've got Verily. They've got the Department of Health. You know, it feels to me like they're broad enough to uh, to actually take on th- some of the uh, the concepts there. Now, I mean, we can all agree this is entirely scary, but it's scary in both directions, right? So, hey, you know, we're we're, we're
0: fantasizing here.
2: (laughs) And is it really any scarier than where we are now? Precisely.
0: (laughs) I, I look forward to seeing the literal Google moonshot. Uh, (laughs) all right precisely (laughs) that is two topics down two topics ago which of course means it is halftime here at clockwise this week's episode is brought to you by our very good friends at linode with linode you can instantly deploy and manage an ssd server in the linode cloud and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of linux distribution resources and node location linode serves our customers with the help of 10 data centers around the globe and they're about to add more Mumbai, India, which is a place I lived for several weeks and is a really awesome city, and Canada will all have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups and node balancers. Linode is, is great for all of these different services. They have pricing options to suit everyone. I run a server with them right now, and i mainly just use it to run my website, but I've installed all these other little software packages on it just to play around with because that's kind of what I do in my spare time. Uh, they've got pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at a gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. And they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode has a special offer for you as a listener of this show. You can go to linode.com slash clockwise and use promo code clockwise 2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. And on that one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise and promo code clockwise 2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime. It is over. Micah, what do you got?
1: All righty. So, uh, I don't know if you saw this, this little saga playing out, but um, Facebook made a new app uh, called Facebook Research, and it had folks sign up. Uh, in kind of a wild and weird way, where you would essentially sideload the app onto your device, and then they would pay you for using your data. Well, Apple has since um, invalidated the certificate that the company was using in order to sideload these apps on devices. And I'm just curious, um, what is it going to take to stop companies from violating or simply pretending to undervalue our privacy and personal data online?
2: You know, I think it's going to take sunlight. Uh, People understanding exactly what it is they're giving up and having a clear idea of what that means. Part of what makes some of this frustrating is that privacy and that sort of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody accepts and nobody reads and that's sort of understood. And I think some of that probably needs to change. And I think there needs to be more awareness. And part of that is because this kind of falls under security, which is kind of a big topic when you talk about technology. But I think a lot of people... Uh, sort of go, you know, that's not for me. Like, I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know where to even start asking so that I can understand some of the stuff better. And there hasn't been... Uh, technological security as a standard part of people li- people's lives for a long time. Like when you start driving, I've used this example before. When you start driving, people explain to you like you roll up all the windows and you lock all the doors. You don't leave your laptop in the front seat. And these are the basic security things you do to keep most people from busting into your car. There are certain things you do when you are at an ATM to keep people from robbing you. And there's like basic levels of security out in the world with, with physical things. And we haven't had that well of knowledge that sort of gets passed from person to person with online security or or computer security yet. And I think when we get there, that's going to be what it takes is just people um, like, you know, again, with Apple coming out and talking about here are the security features of our product. Here's what happens to our data if you use this new feature of your thing. And here's the implications of that. And it's just a standard part of what they talk about when they roll out something new to people. And I think that having more people know and understand and not be Intimidated that they don't know, or embarrassed to ask about it because they don't know, uh, that's going to be what it takes for people to finally start paying attention, and then somebody will come up with an alternative that we can all use instead. <laughs>
0: uh, I think it's going to take primarily two things that go kind of hand in hand. Uh, one is making this unprofitable for corporations. I think that's really the only thing that that makes any difference is whether it affects the bottom line, and if there is a reason why trying to farm all this data. is is bad for business, not just from a PR perspective, but from an actual like financial uh, end result, then I think that's that's something that makes a a big dent. Uh, And I think that's going to take a second thing, and that is government regulation. I don't think that anybody besides the government has enough clout to make that happen. Um, And whether that's just by basically enacting more uh painful fines like you know it's gonna have a lot of these fines that do get levied against them these are companies that make billions and billions and billions of dollars every year and if you slap them with something that's even you know a few hundred million dollars worth that's a fraction of what they make in in most quarters that's not painful enough for them to to really stop doing it so it needs to be much more punitive uh, and the regulations need to be done much clearer because I think you know what Kelly talked about in terms of education is a good start, but you know you really I think need some governmental backstopping on that to make sure that these these companies are actually following rules and protecting our data as they should. I think the European Union has obviously made much more stringent regulations about that. And uh, hopefully that is a step in the right direction. But the US is, is pretty lax uh, by comparison. So I, I think a lot of change needs to be made there. And our, our literacy and education efforts really need to start with the government itself, because I don't think they even know, in most cases, what these companies get up to.
3: I agree entirely, Dan. In terms of government regulation being necessary and fines needing to be real, I love it when you know Google is fined fifty million dollars. and I'm thinking that's like petty cash. They find yeah. that in the couch. <laughs> um, but I think we need to go farther. And you know, I, 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 I I'm not this sort of person. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with what I'm going to say because I'm not really, you know, the the bandolier wearing kind of uh, Sandinista here. But <laughs> I think we need privacy militants i think we need to basically have people who are going out there and saying okay mark zuckerberg what do we know about you and let's publish that for the world to see okay representative so-and-so who voted against a privacy bill how much do we know about you let's publish that for everyone to know let's talk about privacy and what it means to lose it because these people they don't have a clue they're special They're rich, they have guards, they have staff, they have all this stuff, and they're not the ones who are being exploited. Um, And so I think there really needs to be some downside to all these people who are going on about how, well, I need this for my business or we don't want to hamper an American innovation, that kind of stuff. I mean, the fact is that there's no downside for these people in there being lax privacy regulations. Let's give them some personal skin in the game.
1: Ooh, okay. I really like that one. <laughs> that's fun. Now I'm just thinking uh, about a
2: bandolier, but it's got like iPhones in Like iPhone fours in the slots. Like in the yeah. Slots. yeah.
1: <laughs> oh boy. That's great. Um so all good answers there. I saw some uh discussion on Twitter about the idea that, you know, in in this future uh where data Uh, continues to be such a valuable resource to so many companies, it shows how um, folks with low income or uh, other forms of uh, lack of privilege can be taken advantage of. Uh, You know, some people are talking about how, oh, a $20 e-gift card, that's not that much money. And it's not in terms of how much money these companies end up making off of our data. But at the same time, $20 for some people is not something to just sort of scoff at mm-hmm. and it it can make a difference and so because of that it shows how these companies uh can take advantage of folks who are you know trying to find a way to Make ends meet, and this is the only way that they can they can go about it, so I agree that uh, government regulation and education and perhaps even <laughs> militancy uh, <laughs> are all necessary to to protect our privacy and personal data and uh the only other thing would just be that um, we continue to support companies that choose to make that center to their you know sort of center to their the things that they create and and the stuff they're putting out into the world. Alrighty. Thank you all for your answers on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Kelly.
2: Right now, like we've heard people talk about, you know, the industrial age and these sorts of things and how now we live in the information age. And I feel like that's almost a criminal understatement. Uh, There's so many sources of information and they're cranking out so much information all the time. Like if, we would live, I think we've, it feels like we live in more than a 24 hour news cycle, even though there are only 24 <laughs> hours in the day. We're <laughs> in like a three hour news cycle day or something, you know? Um, so I would like to know, like, with, with all of this information out there and having to strike a balance between being informed and just mentally being exhausted by trying to keep up, uh, what steps do all of you take, uh, to balance being informed? With information overload,
0: uh, I try to unplug a little bit, and and some of that is just ignoring, you know, Twitter or whatever the or Instagram or whatever. Some of it is like you know, walking away from my desk so I don't have a source of information right in front of me that is, is something I can you know consume just by flicking my eyes over to one side. Um, but but trying to balance that, especially when you're in a job that. That often feels like it requires some degree of engagement uh, is really tough. And, And certainly, you know, trying to figure out ways to not be inundated and still not be willfully ignorant about things that are going on, because I don't think that's a solution either. Um, I, I think for me, a lot of it is about more recently just trying to interact more in the real world. Um, in trying to not let my phone dictate what I'm doing, uh, or when I'm sitting at the computer to sort of you know even simple things like putting into like single you know a uh, single app mode on my MacBook. So when I'm working on something there aren't other things constantly updating and flicking at me in the background or the menu bar or whatever so it's kind of a a multi-prong approach for me but the, i think the best solution is always just you know sometimes to take a walk uh, it's not perfect but it's it's sort of the best coping strategy i've found so far i yeah i think the only way to do this for me frankly
3: is um self-control um, that I'm one of those people who has trouble not reading text that I can see. Mm. And so, for instance, I start a fire. Um, we, we heat partly with wood, and uh, I start a fire twice a day. Um, to do that, I burn the New York Times because my parents give me large stacks of it. Um, and uh, it, and it's it's really... They do publish such great stuff. I actually have to turn the papers upside down so I don't <laughs> get sucked into an article before I crumple the paper to start the fire. Um, so, so my, so yeah. So I, I try very hard to ignore things, um, and and actually I've gotten better at that. And but how do I keep up with what is important? Well, in the tech world, you know, it just sort of exists a certain amount with other people. And so what I've done is I've kind of extrapolated that to the real world as well. And so. I basically never, ever read any national news or anything like that. I'll read local news, and that's it. Don't watch TV, don't do any of that kind of stuff. And then I go for a run with my friends, and I see what topics come up in conversation.
1: I worked as a journalist for about four years covering all sorts of news, world news, you know, U.S. news, and all the fun and horrible things that happen around the world and here in the United States, Um, and... That meant having to be ready to roll, uh, ready to, to hop on camera at like six in the morning and tell folks about how there was, you know, a plane crash or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was I was plugged in always because I had to be. Uh, and so when I moved to work at Mobile Nations and just did tech reporting, uh, and didn't have to be on camera anymore. You were on vacation. Yes, I was on vacation, but I gave myself permission to not uh, be that tied in. I I feel like I sort of was in the trenches and did that, and I gave myself permission to not be super plugged in. Uh, These days, I use... Apple news notifications to uh for, for certain outlets, news outlets, and those keep me updated. And if I want to, then I can dive in and read more about whatever the, the topic happens to be. I think it's okay to sort of give yourself permission to balance that that overload. Any last thoughts on that, Kelly? Well,
2: um, mostly just that what I do is uh, I sort of avoid Mid level news uh, I try to pay attention to local news because that's going to affect me a lot more, and I try to watch uh like my pBS station has BBC World News, so I will watch that to sort of find out what's going on in the rest of the world because a lot of times the news cycle at least in the u s is so concerned with what's going on in the u s you don't really hear much about what's happening any place else, so I try to balance by mostly doing local news and then world news, and uh, I keep up on tech. For obvious reasons, and um, I do a lot of my tech stuff with RSS, I have very few notifications on my phone so that that stuff doesn't doesn't uh, pop up at me the rest of the time.
0: That That is a nice way to live. It sounds very pleasant. <laughs> well, that is four topics down. I think we have just enough time for a very quick bonus topic. Uh my question for you all this week is, what is a unique spot in the city, town, or village where you live that you love? I'm going to pick Monkey Run Trails, which I don't know if you
3: ever saw when you were in <laughs> Ithaca, Dan, d- I don't think but I did. are a gorgeous set of trails. And if I had more time, I would expound upon <laughs> why it's called Monkey Run. <laughs>
1: Uh, for me, there's uh, a town square here in Springfield, and I, there's just something very nice about like a town square. It's got a, a, a little park and, and fountain and uh, community stage in the middle of it and a bunch of great uh, little restaurant shops and cafes that surround it. And uh, it's where most of the events that happen in the city happen.
2: I live in Portland, so it's really hard for me to narrow this down. Um, But (laughs) what I will I will point out uh, there is an arcade here called Quarter World that's on uh, Hawthorne Boulevard in southeast Portland. And the reason that I'm picking them is because they have a Tesla coil and they do Shows with the Tesla coil where they blast it with varying levels of electricity in order to elicit notes and they turn that into music. And so you have not lived until you have heard the Muppet Show theme song or the Legend of Zelda (laughs) theme song played on a Tesla coil.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm going to pick in Prospect Hill here in Somerville, where I live, there is a monument and it is the location where the first flag representing the uh, United States before the United States was even a country was hoisted in 1776 by Mr. George Washington himself. And it's got a great view of the Boston skyline. And that is the show. All that remains is for us to thank our wonderful guest this week, Adam X, Thank you so much for being here. I'm very glad to have you.
1: (laughs) Very (laughs) glad to be here. Very glad to be here. And Kelly Gamont, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me on the show.
1: And
0: Micah, we've made it through another week. So all that remains is to remind our
1: listeners out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Stay warm, everybody.